0: everybody, James Shepard here with the Merchant Sales Podcast. Very different episode for you today, getting much shorter than usual, and uh, just going to be a monologue about easy money and the biggest threats to merchant sales. Uh, Usually once or twice a year, I make an episode like this when uh, I feel like I've gone through a season of thinking and research and experiencing things in the industry where I feel like I have an insight to share that ISOs and agents really uh, could potentially benefit from. And that's the case today. And and I really want to talk to you about these, there there are these huge threats to the future of merchant sales that, you know, potentially, you know, uh, death threats, you would say to the idea of direct merchant sales. And these threats are not being ignored, but are certainly not being given the importance that they need to be given in conversations, strategic conversations by ISO executives, uh, as well as really just they're not being taken very seriously by the individual agents. And these are things that we all need to understand and we all need to think about. And I believe the reason that they're kind of have gone into the background is because right now it's such a great time in merchant sales. It's a time of easy money. Uh, So let's start with easy money. Um, As soon as I get done recording this, I'm driving out to install another merchant uh, on uh, dual pricing and uh, I've been out in the field doing some sales to just really kind of stay fresh and, uh, you know, make sure I'm understanding how to sell uh, dual pricing, which is uh, a bit of a new concept for me. Um, And so my kind of takeaway of being out there and, and just being in the different Facebook groups and things, I mean, this really is an incredible time in the industry. We're very blessed to be part of merchant sales at this time. I saw a a hilarious post. I can't remember who uh, made the post in one of the groups on Facebook about a uh, a manager made the post or you know an ISO owner. One of the his uh, agents came to him and had sold a merchant uh, on traditional processing, and the merchant was doing like 150 thousand a month or something like that. And this agent was really disappointed um, because he was only going to make I think it was like five or six hundred dollars a month in residual on this account because he didn't sell it on, you know, cash discounting, <laughs> you know, if he had sold it on cash discounting, he would have been making several thousand dollars a month. Um, and so, you know, that that's, that's what we consider right now a bad day, right? A bad day is, Oh, I sold somebody. I'm only going to make $600 a month uh, in in residual income. You know, um, this is just a, a crazy time in the industry. And, you know, I think it's very important to kind of take a step back and just say, look, You know, if you're having a hard time making money right now in merchant services sales, you're having a hard time building residual, uh, there's really only three possible reasons that that could be, okay? Either number one, you don't know how to sell. And the good news there is that you can work on that, right? There's a lot of different sales books that you can get, uh, training courses. I've got videos out there, many, many, many other sales trainers Uh, that are much better than I am at at general sales training have content out there. And so if you're passionate about it and you really want to learn and you're willing to go out there and kind of make a fool of yourself a little bit and implement strategies and try new things, you can learn how to sell. But if you're not making money right now, this is the easy money time, okay? You're uh, You're either not, you don't know how to sell. Number two, you're not working very hard, right? So the question is, How many hours a day are you spending prospecting and selling? I mean, I've gone out in the field, I'm running four different businesses and I have very little time to sell merchant services anymore, but I've gone out in the field just a little bit and it's like, wow, this is, you know, this is pretty easy. Honestly, it's probably like a sale per, I don't know, a sale per hour of effort, something like that. Um, It's crazy. It's, it's, you know, it's really an interesting time right now. Um, And so, maybe you're just not working very hard. Maybe you're not really putting the time and maybe you've built a portfolio and it's not growing because you're maintaining the portfolio, but you're not really working very hard. And then number three is you're just with the wrong company. You know, I remember when I uh, first got into the business, I was making all kinds of sales, um, but I was only, you know, I wasn't getting uh, a good compensation structure at all. Uh, and so I was making a lot of sales, but I wasn't making a lot of money. And so, Those are really the only three possible reasons that right now, you know, when I say it's easy money, and you're thinking doesn't feel easy to me. Well, if it doesn't feel easy to you right now, and when I say easy, obviously we all understand. I mean, it is sales. I'm not saying everybody's going to tell you yes. You know, you're going to get a lot of no's. You're going to get a lot of rejection. I mean, that's sales. But I'm saying, relative to other things you could sell, uh, I think this is about as easy as it gets. Honestly, it's pretty crazy right now. Um, And so this is a just a fantastic time to be in merchant sales. However, Having said that, because of this kind of easy money, we are being distracted from three trends that represent an existential threat to our industry that is a big deal, okay? So I'm going to give them to you in what I consider to be kind of order of importance, okay? So let's start with actually number three. Number three on my list is the shift to card not present transactions, card not present transactions, and a theme that you're going to hear with all three of these trends or threats is this idea of the overall opportunity kind of tightening in on us a bit, right? And so, you know, right now it just kind of feels like this sea of opportunity. You know, uh, you walk down the street, you know, you walk into ten businesses. Five or six of them are going to have some kind of when a sales system that maybe you can't integrate with, or they're using some kind of integrated solution. But the other four or five are kind of like, wow, you know, four of them said no. One of them said, yes, I only walked into 10 businesses, you know, like this seems really easy. Um, But, you know, that's kind of scary that we went from, you know, 10 businesses we could sell to four, right? Well, what if three years from now, it goes from four to one? Or two. And then what if six years from now it goes to like one out of 30, right? So we have to think of these threats as kind of, you know, minimizing the overall pie that we can go after. And again, right now it's fantastic because even though it's maybe a a smaller number of potential businesses that are a good fit for what you're selling, you know, right now versus say 10 years ago, you know, the scary thing is run that out 10 years, understanding that change tends to accelerate, right? And so things, you know, they've changed over the last 10 years, that change is going to accelerate over the next 10 years, right? So the first one is the shift to card, not present sales. And there are two primary kind of subcategories under this threat that we need to understand, okay? The first one is the shift in our own merchants that are, Shifting some of their revenue, in some cases a significant portion of their revenue, to card not present, and we are not servicing them, right? So you have restaurants. Well, how much revenue are they doing through DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, right? Um, that is a shift away from what you're providing. Now that payment processing is moving. Now, do you do you think that? Doordash and uber eats and these companies are they going to be satisfied with their current position no of course not what are they going to do they're going to continue to move this trend to where the consumer i talked about this in a video a few weeks ago to where the consumer is going to process all of their transactions on their phone we were just at disney world my wife and i and when we were shopping you know, every time we've shopped at Disney, we love Disney World. So we go through there and we shop, you know, in the little shops, get some stuff for our kids for, you know, and all that. And as we go through there, this time, for the first time, they have the mobile checkout, right? I love it. It was fantastic. You know, I have my phone. I didn't have to wait in line. I scanned this, you know, I scanned all the stuff with my own phone, the QR, the, the barcodes. And then I went and clicked this uh, little QR code thing. I paid for my order. Somebody was there kind of just seeing what was happening and I walked right out, okay? And, you know, if you don't think that that trend is gonna take over, you are not paying attention at all, okay? I'm telling you, the idea of a physical point of sale system, a physical credit card machine, um, that will still exist again to some extent. And, And again, you may get that sliver, right? So you may have a restaurant where you're processing their point of sale transactions, which right now maybe it is 70% of their revenue and 30% is going through DoorDash, Uber Eats, uh, you know, whatever, right. Or of their own online ordering that they have through somebody beside you. Well, what's going to happen is that concept of card not present is going to move into the restaurant. It's going to move into the retail store. Okay. The hair salon is not going to have somebody ringing people up at the counter. They're going to pay, on their phone when they book the appointment or afterwards they're gonna get a text and they're gonna pay, right? There You have to understand like there are thousands of companies and hundreds of millions of dollars in capital behind that trend. Software companies are saying, wait a minute, if all the payments are gonna move to somebody's phone and they're gonna use their own phone to check out, well, my goodness, let's go, right? Uh, Let's create that app, let's create that experience. Um, and so we need to be very aware of this trend where things are moving to the phone. Okay. Um, Apple is making a lot of inroads with this, some scary stuff. Okay. Where Apple is thinking, well, maybe we could, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm, uh, making assumptions here, but I guarantee you this, there are conversations about payment processing at Apple, right? That's definitely conversations are happening for sure. Um, and they're even kind of making a few inroads into acquiring with some different things. So there are there's this threat of card not present. And what's the solution? The solution is you got to find companies that you can um, partner with. I've done um, advertising for various companies that do online ordering solutions, um, even online ordering with delivery, right? Uh, and things of that nature. And so um, there are solutions out there that are processor agnostic that will allow you to integrate with them. Um, or even ones who do their own processing, but they have uh, you know residual income they pay out or whatever. But we got to be aware of these things. And especially at the ISO level right now, I think you really need to be aware of this stuff. you need to be thinking about it, finding the right partnerships to embrace these trends. and I'm not saying this trend is going to take over tomorrow, but I think that three to five years from now, you know, uh, people, you know I'm almost forty. Um, people my age and and younger, They're going to want to pay on their own phone. They're not going to want to wait for the server to come to the table. They're not going to want to wait in line at the checkout counter. They're just not, you know? And so they're going to switch. And so this trend of card not present, first of all, is affecting this idea of just people making payments through their phone on an app. So you do it all the time yourself, right? When we, you you know, I don't even remember. I'm trying to think, like, I think it's been like a year since I personally purchased a grocery item at a physical store. You know why? Cuz we use Walmart delivery and we have an app on our phone that we pull up, we get what we want and we pay for it. Right? Um if there's something else I need from the convenience store and I don't want to run over there, I go to DoorDash which now has, you know, Rite Aid and everybody else and I, you know, we get something there. Um these trends are going to take over. I mean, I I don't really think there's any doubt about that. Now, again, does that mean every single transaction is going to happen that way? No, I'm just saying we're, we're getting a smaller pie. Right now, it's an easy pie to take advantage of, but it's becoming a smaller pie because, again, as consumers are using their uh, mobile devices to make payments. And you're like, well, oh, that's a new trend. It is. How long do you think it's going to take for that trend to, <laughs> to, to get some traction, right? Do people people really, do they, do they like using their phones at all? Does any, any of you, do you, do you keep your phone on you most of the time? Yeah, it's like, yeah, of course. We want to do everything on our phone. So that's a trend. The other card not present trend is this idea of just merchants who are card not present, right? We as an industry are horrible. Horrible at selling these merchants. It's unbelievable. I mean, seriously, it's like we don't even know what to do. It's like, you know, if if a merchant doesn't have a physical location, it's like we don't have any idea how to contact them. It's crazy, you know. If you are an individual agent, let me tell you something. Okay. That is a problem you could solve right now, and you need to solve it. What I mean by that is start taking one day a week. Like let's let's say you prospect for three, four hours a day, okay take one day a week to go card, not present. And you say, well, my goodness, how would I do that? You would go to Google maps and you would look up, you know, home services businesses, right? Look up home inspectors, look up plumbers, electricians, um, lawn care companies, and reach out to them just like you reach out to everybody else. It's not even any different, really. Um, the solutions are a little different. Frankly, in, in a lot of cases, they're easier. There's no terminal to install. You just give them a log into a gateway or something. Um, and so I think, you know, there's this whole other opportunity of going after card not present. And, and ironically, it's not like there's a technology barrier there. All of us have the solutions that these companies need. They just need a virtual terminal. They need a nice gateway. They might need email, uh, you know, e-invoicing. They might need ACH. Um, your processing company probably has a great solution for these card not present merchants. The, the barrier there is that we just don't know how to prospect them. And the way you prospect them is you just can't walk in without calling first. So you just call them. And the good news is nobody's calling them. Okay. My, our business number is published. You know how many people a year call me about payment processing services? You know how many people a year stop by my office to pitch us on payment processing? You want to know how many a a year we've been here in this, we have been in this location with an unlocked door, (laughs) right? And people here in these, I have a suite of offices here. We've been here for four years. You know how many payment processing professionals have come into my business in four years? zero, not one. It's crazy. And there's me, there's a a chiropractor down here. There's a financials, uh, services person down there that's billing people. Um, you know, um, upstairs, there's an engineering company that does B2B transactions, right? Nobody ever comes in here. Nobody. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, so, you know, the idea is you got to call these people and you got to find where they are. I mean, there's, you know, office buildings, you know, you do realize you can go to an office building. You can look at the list and see all the businesses that are in there on the marquee, sit in your car, call through all of them until one of them agrees to have you come in to talk to them about payment processing. You've never had anybody call them before, right? Now, again, they may have integrated solutions. You may have to learn a little bit more about gateways and APIs and how to do some of this stuff but you got to start that process, right? And so card not present is uh, the, I would say card not present is a big threat. It's kind of the least urgent, but it's probably the most important actually long-term. You know what I mean? Like that's the one that our industry uh, can have such a big impact on. And so I would really encourage you to think about becoming more efficient at selling card not present and think about the solutions you're providing. Think about your current merchants and the new ones you're going to sell and and figure out how to get some of that revenue back. Um, what's crazy about all this to me is Uber Eats and DoorDash, I don't want to get too far off track here, but really all they are now is distribution, you know. Uh, you know, there's other companies that they outsource the delivery too. Um, Postmates does most of the actual delivery. Um, and so it's, you know, it's not like they have the everybody's like, oh my goodness, DoorDash has this huge infrastructure. And it's like, well, I mean, sort of, really, they have an app and they have no infrastructure in in a a way, right? Because like operationally, it's like, I know they have their executives and all that, but it's all distribution, you know, they're using Postmates for delivery, I think in most situations, which you can go through like Delish, uh, D-Y-L-I-S-H, which is processor agnostic and has their own processing option as well. And they use Postmates as well, right? So you go to the merchant and say, hey, stop using DoorDash, use me instead. You know, I mean, it's like, it's nothing like you just you gotta go sell it and you gotta like you gotta fight for the market share and and be careful about that. Um, and then think about the the phone and how that's gonna be continued to be used in their in the stores, in the physical locations. And then secondly, going after these card not present merchants. Okay, that's number one. That's that's my number three threat actually. Number two is regulation. Regulation. Now, again, this one's a bit of a longer term scenario. And it's one that individual agents can really do basically nothing about. But I think as an industry, ISO execs, things like that, we need to be in the loop on this and we need to be um, taking whatever action that we can. Um, there is a piece of legislation, apparently, according to Visa's CEO, there's a piece of legislation on uh, Dick Durbin's uh, desk um, about capping um, interchange on credit card fees. I posted about it on LinkedIn, and I was so surprised by the uh, reactions of kind of uh, what's the right word for it? Not disbelief, but just kind of like, "Oh, that'll never happen," <laughs> you know. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> "Hello, Dick Durbin almost single-handedly already regulated all the signature debit. Why do we think he can't regulate?" Credit card? Why do we think he can't get that pushed through Congress? <laughs> you know, like, uh, hold on a minute here. Um, yeah, that can happen. Okay. Now you say, well, James, why does that really matter for me? Interchange goes down. A lot of my merchants are on flat rate. That'd be great. They're all on you know cash discounting. So uh, initially, again, easy money. <laughs> you talk about easy money. Wait till Durbin regulates uh, credit card. Uh, there's going to be about there's going to be about a 24 month period where your cash discount portfolio is going to double in value. Um, because the underlying cost of the transaction is going to go through the floor. And of course, most ISOs are not going to reduce their 4% flat rate or 399 or 350 or whatever they're doing. Um, talk about easy money. That is going to be some easy money. Um, and then it will be the race to the bottom. And everybody will go back to all the, everybody else's cash discount deals and they won't they won't lower their own, but they'll go to everybody else's and offer to lower it. So it's very predictable. But, uh, you know, it's coming. I mean, it's, I would be shocked if, Three years from now, you know, uh, interchange is not fully regulated in the U.S. I would I would be very surprised. Uh, eh, I'd say I guess five years, but three to five years somewhere in that window. And I've been saying that uh, that same time frame I've been giving that same time frame for a couple of years. Um, And, you know, this is the first shot across the bow. Now, I don't think it will pass right now um, only because of the makeup of the Senate. And I don't think they have the votes for it. And I thought a lot about this and looked at kind of different legislation, looked at what some of the other senators are saying about it and i don't think it's going to it's going to pass but um but it could i would say there's a 10% chance it could pass if if they brought it up i don't think Durbin is even going to bring it to the floor because he doesn't think it's going to pass but um you know this is coming this is interesting and you say well james why would i care about that right who cares well i'll tell you why you should care what do you think is going to happen when you know Durbin and other uh you know congressmen and senators um when they pass some kind of regulation or cap on interchange they've already done this with debit now they do it with credit and so interchange is fully regulated and they realize that the cost of processing payments for small business owners is actually not really going down very much at all right um who are they going to regulate next right so us so we we've seen this already play out in a lot of other countries. You look at what's able to be done in the UK. You look at Australia, um, even Canada to a lesser extent, you know, Canada is more about competitive pressure than government regulation. Although the government started it off by, by, um, they have a very unique system there. It's not exactly fully regulated, but it's, uh, uh, kind of a process they go through, uh, with card brands, but you know, this is happening in other countries. And so we do need to be aware of that. And again, um, If you are a payment processing executive, you should be thinking about your own lobbying. I mean, this is becoming, you know, really, really important. And what's interesting here is that our interests in this situation are actually aligned with the card brands, not with the merchants. So obviously, all the big merchants and the merchant, uh, you know, collectives and associations, they, of course, are all coming out and saying, yeah, let's say, go ahead and you know, regulate, regulate, regulate. Right? Why? Because that's going to lower their cost for you know Walmart and Amazon and Target and um, Darden and you know the big all the big restaurant conglomerates and you know they would love that. They're all on some kind of interchange plus pricing, so interchange regulation would be fantastic. So we need to have an eye on that because that's a slippery slope. Now that's a slippery slope that you know it could take a while, but that's like a that's a game over problem. That's that's a you know it's like. Uh, that's like those of you that were selling mortgages before uh, they before it was heavily regulated. And now you got out of that because it's heavily regulated. Um, that's a slippery slope. So we need to be aware of that. Again, I'm not saying I would be terrified of it. If you're an individual agent, there's literally nothing you could do about it other than keep on selling whatever you're selling. And uh, for some period of time, that portfolio is going to be very, very valuable. It could even be for quite a few years. Um, so it's a great time. Again, easy money. It's a great time to sell payment processing because the underlying cost is probably about to be uh, you know, taken down significantly at some point in the next three to five years, in my opinion. So what is the number one threat, right? Well, the number one threat, anybody that's been out in the field, I've been out in the field selling, anybody that's been out in the field selling, you know exactly what the number one threat is. I didn't even have to tell you what it is. Um, The number one threat is integrated verticalized software, right? So payments that are integrated with verticalized um, software solutions. Um, you know, it is such a big deal, you know, right now, that it is almost the only thing that matters in terms of the next 36 months, right? And so um, I cannot tell you how many times I have heard an executive from a, you know, small to huge payment processing company, anywhere in between. I've heard them talking to their salespeople and say some version of, don't sell point of sale systems. That's going to take way too much time. You know, uh, just look for the merchants that want the standalone terminals. They're easy right now. Okay, yes, they are easy right now, and I understand the sentiment. I've been out in the field selling, and I'll be honest. I don't want to sell a point of sale system. You know why I don't? Because I don't want to have to go back and install that sucker. You know, good night's gonna take me half a day. You know. I don't want to do that. I want to go just sell the next one. Right. Here's the problem though. A couple of problems. The big problem obviously is attrition. You know um, you're, you're, you know, when you place a standalone terminal with a merchant and that's all you place with them. I mean, you know, you might as well forget about it. I mean, you know, you're know, you going to lose the account. <laughs> you're going to lose it. I mean, maybe not today, maybe not, you know, tomorrow, but I mean, in the next 36 months, you're going to lose it. You know, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, now, Having said that, you know, uh, I'll give a little plug for our podcast sponsor, uh, which is Valor PayTech. Um, the one I'm going to install today. It's a small uh, place retailer, and um, they do some order, some like delivery type orders and things like that over the phone. They'll take deposits, you know, that kind of thing. So I, this is a good example. I really a good example of all the of these these two threats of card not present and um, and integrated payments. So I talked to them and I said, look, you know. I want to make sure the solution I provide you for payment processing really is the right solution for all the ways you process payments. How do you process payments? And they said, well, you know, right now people come into the store, they swipe their card. And I said, okay, does anybody ever call over the phone to pay? And they said, well, yeah, but we usually tell them just wait till you come into the store and pay. And I said, do you think that's the best way to do that? Right? Like, and they're like, well, no, cause then then we don't get the deposit and then they go ahead and make an order and they don't have a deposit for the order because they didn't take it over the phone. And I said, okay, well, what if you had a solution where you could send out an email with a link or a text with a link that they could click on and just, you know, make the payment themselves on their phone or their laptop or whatever. Um, And then it would come into the same system and you could see those transactions right alongside the ones from the credit card machine. Because again, this is a smaller retailer. They they didn't want any, they didn't want a point of sale system. Like they really passionately did not want one, (laughs) you know, Um, which is fine. Again, I'm not saying there are merchants like that, but my point is not like, oh, don't sell those merchants. Now, my point is you 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 know even those merchants, though, are starting to understand that there's more than one way to take a payment. you know? So I talked about it. So um then we talked about how one of their uh, stores, they a lot of times need to, they have different places in the store where people will check out. And they didn't want to buy a bunch of different credit card machines. They didn't want different credit card machines. They wanted one. But they wanted to be a, a mobile unit, so I did a one of the units is a mobile uh, one that, that Valor offers, and the other one is a, a plug-in, kind of a, a standard you know uh, device for um, their one of the other count one of the other kind of counters they have, and um, and then I'm talking to them about Valor's um, virtual terminal, and so when I go to make that installation today, I'm going to train the merchant not only on how to do a transaction, which I think most merchants know how to do now. You know, it's like yeah, I just keep swiping the card. That's pretty simple but I'm also going to train them on using the virtual terminal, right? Um, And how to send out an email invoice or a text invoice, because again, that's something that would be a benefit to them because what I don't want is I don't want them to see an ad or get a call from another company that says, Hey, Oh, all you have is a credit card machine. Oh my, well, why don't you work with us and you can still use your credit card machine, but we'll take care of all your card, not present transactions, right? You see what just happened to me all of a sudden, I went from processing, they do maybe 15,000 a month. I went from 15,000 a month to eight because a lot of their larger payments are over the phone, you know, uh, or, or would be if they did that. So, you know, I, I got to protect myself from this card not present trend. I also have to protect myself from other technology companies reaching out. Um, and I have to embrace this idea that a lot of consumers don't want to come into the store and swipe the card. They see something they like, they want it. They see it on the website. You know, this guy, they have a terrible website. But I mean, they do show their stuff, you know. And so, my might call and say, hey, you have exactly the table that I want. That's the one I want. Can I just pay for it and you can deliver it? And now they'll be able to say, yes, we can. Absolutely. We're going to text you a link right now. As soon as you pay, we'll schedule your uh, appointment to come out. So, this idea of, again, these, these threats, they are also opportunities. But if we're not careful, what we're going to see is, over the next three to five years, we're going to see, wow, we have this fantastic opportunity right now. And it's just going to keep, you know, it's going to seem easy, right? But it's going to shrink and shrink. And you know, what's, what's interesting about it is as an industry, I think we're so blinded a lot of times, you know, the average attrition right now is like 20 something percent, 20, 22%. Don't we understand what's happening? Like we're all just stealing each other's accounts. You know, it's like, we're all fighting over the crumbs that are falling off the table. Meanwhile, Stripe and Square and, you know, uh, Toast and all these others, they're locking in the valuable merchant accounts. And it's like, oh, well, we'll let the ISOs and agents fight over the crumbs that are left, you know, and they can just keep stealing each other's accounts every year. And it kind of seems like, oh, wow, hey, we're still making a lot of sales. Well, no, duh, you know, you're you're selling the people that you're, (laughs) the other ISO sold, you know, uh, two years ago, uh, and you're giving them a terminal again. You know, it's, it's almost like we're all just kind of in this game of like moving accounts from one ISO to the other until one of the big pay facts steals it from us. And as an industry, that's like, that's our plan, you know? And it's like, Ooh, I found somebody that's still in traditional processing. I'm going to flip them to cash discounting. You know, I'm going to do dual pricing. I'm going to do combined surcharging and, uh, I'm going to flip them to my solution. Like, yay, I'll make residual for a couple, two, three years until a different ISO steals them and offers them a lower cash discount. Like, this is the game we're playing, right? And it's almost like we're blinded. Like, we're all playing this game of like, you know, musical chairs. And, you know, we're doing this like, da-da-da, we're like dancing around to the music. And meanwhile, it's like toast and square and stripe and all these other, and, and, and another, you know, thousand, uh, you know, ISVs, software companies that are verticalized, that have specific solutions for hair salon or pizza shops, you know, they're all kind of watching us dance around and they're like, oh, well, keep thinking. They'll, they'll keep that dance going for a few years while we get more venture capital and while we get our, our marketing going, and while we figure out how to target business owners better and as we develop our own sales force. And so they'll just keep that going for us. That's great. They can just keep passing these little merchants around, um, and, uh, you know, these merchants around that don't want integrated payments right now or, or they're not begging for it. And we'll just let them keep doing that. Um, until we sell them. That's what's happening right now. And we need to get off of this, we need to stop this game, okay? And we need to take a step back. Now, I've made a lot of suggestions in the past. Um, I'll make a really quick one again. You know, this idea is, this idea that, you know, um, the agents shouldn't be selling uh, integrated payments. I actually don't disagree with that. I I used to disagree with that passionately. I don't anymore. I do think it's hard for, you know, you have hunters and farmers. And and if you know anything about sales management, you know that there are hunters and farmers and hunters go out and they hunt and they, you know, they get the kill and they bring it in and it's like transactional. It's like, you know, let me, let me go. I'm going to make the kill. I'm going to bring it back. And then I'm going to go make another kill. And I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to go make another kill and I'm going to bring it back. And then there are farmers, right? And the farmers are like, okay, patiently, I got to farm the land. I got to cultivate. And in sales, that's they're cultivating the relationship. They're upselling, they're doing all that. And Right now, I would say the salespeople in our industry are probably 90% hunters and 10% farmers. And ironically, the farmers are generally kind of kicked to the curb in our industry as people who just don't know how to prospect. And it's like, you're just not aggressive enough to make it in this business. You got to go out there and walk into businesses, cold turkey, and sell them. And they're like, oh, I I don't do that kind of sales. Like I was selling you know, I was selling uh, mortgages, I was selling insurance and my company was giving me leads and then I was selling those. And we're like, well, that's not real sales. Get out of here. Why are we doing that? Like that that's, those are the people that we need because we need them to help our ecosystem by upselling the people that we sold the standalone terminal to. We got the relationship. Great. Now we need somebody to cultivate that relationship over time and get them to upgrade to a solution that's going to be really right for them long-term and build that relationship. And in our industry, it's almost like, you know, we're like, well, we're going to lose 20% of these customers every year anyway. So do we really want to proactively reach out? Probably not, because if we do, they might cancel. It's like all weird and backwards. It's like, no, like, let's go on the offense against these threats and let's actually go out there and let's, you know, maybe you're an individual agent and you are like a sales machine, but you know that you're losing 15, 20% of your customers every year. And so you've already got so many, you've got 300 accounts. And every year, you know, you're losing 60 and you're selling 70, you know? And it's like, wow, that's a lot of work to grow by 10, you know? Why don't you bring on one of these farmers and pay them some commission to go and sell point of sale solutions to your 300? Maybe they can get 75, 80 of them locked into a point of sale within 24 months. And you're going to dramatically increase your income as you sell software and things like that. And to, and you know, hardware and whatever it is you're doing and it's going to lock those in. Right. And so you have a, a flow of like, I make, the, I go, I'm the hunter. I'm going to go get the sale, bring it back. And then this person could be your person that doubles as both point of sale installation and, and taking some of that off your plate, but also the person that reaches out to existing clients and says, Hey, I see you have a standalone terminal. I just want to follow up and see how that's working out for you. You know, how else would you like to process payments? We have a lot of different solutions. So at the individual agent level, at the ISO level, obviously have a sales room of people on the phone that are reaching out to these accounts, you know, not in a way to damage in any way, the income or relationship of the of the um, agent that made the sale, right? They should still have their situation good, but there's other money that can be made on top of that. And uh, kill two birds with one stone, you can secure the account, right? For long-term and secure it against these threats, um, you know, that exist. Um, And so that's a really important one. And then I've already talked about prospecting for card not present. So let's take a minute. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Take a minute to take a step back. Think about these trends. Think about what they mean and think about what you can do about these threats um, and how you can turn these threats into opportunities. My name is James Shepard. Thank you so much for just following our podcast. I know many of you listen in every week and I really appreciate it. Hopefully you get some insights from it. Um, I love recording the podcast. Um, I love all the things I get to do. It's a lot of fun. And so I really appreciate you. I appreciate you following our content um, and uh, hope that you have a fantastic uh, weekend. And I hope that, you know, merchant services sales, I love it's easy money right now. I hope you're having a great time making money and increasing. And I just wanted to give you a little bit of a of zooming out, and just looking at the larger threats. And hopefully you're going to be in a position uh, where you can take advantage of these opportunities long-term. So thanks so much again for listening and watching. Have a great day.